That's that's not a glass half full. That's that's the glass half full. I'm skank. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Glass Half Full on the Waste of Potential podcast. My name is Shane, and with me always is Ronnie. Today we will be talking about Glass Half Full for Sucktober. What's Sucktober, you ask? Oh, it's where we suck off movies back and forth. What day, What movie we sucking off today, Ronnie? <laughs> Why are you doing a radio voice? Because I never do a radio voice. <laughs> this is the radio voice podcast. Okay. It's <laughs> podcast, um, podcast, podcast. <laughs> wee woo, wee woo. <laughs> Insert fun sound effects here. Got it. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess you think that I don't know what you think of this movie already. So I got to choose. And um, since we're in apparently October, I wanted to do a horror movie, but I was like, you know what? No, I like horror, but I want to do. The Crow. We're doing 1994's The Crow, starring Brandon Lee and other people. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually excited that you chose this movie. Um, despite my negative intro, I do like and still like this movie. This is a good choice. I'm, I'm torn, and I think it's divisive, so that's why I'm, I'm enjoying I think we're going to enjoy this, because I, I don't think... I think we'll have different takes on this for different reasons. I'm excited for this. This movie is the epitome of style over substance. <laughs> because this movie doesn't really have any substance. It's all style. It's got a little bit, but it, eh. Yeah. So let me, um, let me do my synopsis of this. I wrote down a wonderful okay. synopsis. An emo singer returns from the dead to avenge his dead Nightmare for Christmas loving girlfriend... Give goth kids nerd boners for thirty years and inadvertently inspire Heath Ledger's Joker in a city filled with industrial metal, drugs, violence, and characters with cartoon character names, aka Detroit. <laughs> There's so many jokes to be made about a th- this taking place in modern day Detroit, <laughs> <laughs> and b this is not the Joker. <laughs> We watched a movie that's not Heath Ledger Joker, but <laughs> totally is Heath Ledger Joker. But in this movie's defense, it came long before Heath Ledger, so before Christopher Nolan decided he wanted Batman to fight the crow. I was um I wrote down some other things about this later and if I don't get into this, we'll get into that. I have a lot of things I was <laughs> paying attention to like, holy shit, this is so much a lot like um Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight movies, but I got a theory, and we'll get to that in a little bit, I suppose. This movie reminded me a lot of Spawn, too, with, like, its kind of B-level aesthetics, but a good hero. That's interesting. You think it's B-level. That's Okay, I think we're going to do different opinions on this. This is going to be interesting. Let's start this off, though. Go for the All right, version. well, let's start from the beginning. When did you first see this movie, Ronnie? I remember. I don't remember specifically. I know as a teenager, I saw it, I think on TV, and then The Dark Knight came out, and then I came back to it for some reason. I don't remember why I did. And then, so in college, when I resaw this, I was like, okay, I like this. It's it's good, and I think if I, I think I liked it more when I was younger. I saw this movie as an adult, but I'd heard about it because of the infamous you know, story around it. I honestly think my first time was with you. 
when I saw it. I think you were like, hey, you need to watch The Crow. And I was like, okay. And then we watched it, and I was like, I like that movie. Did, and uh, was, was this one I actually showed you? Because usually you showed me shitty movies, so it's interesting. I showed you a movie. I honestly can't remember when I first saw it. I feel like you watched it with me, but that is me literally pulling just a random fact out of a hat. I don't know if it's true or not. Like when I run for president one day, they're going to hold that against me. <laughs> that That is what they'll hold against you. Is it true that you said you saw The Crow with your best friend originally? Because it's weird because you saw it with your cousin. Liar! <laughs> I hope you get COVID, you fuck. If you're worried about that, then uh, I guess the Rudy podcast will not be an issue then. <laughs> I I see no issue with our Rudy podcast. I, I'll never have to answer for that thing. Or, or Jaws 3D. <laughs> hey! So let's get some, I guess, recent reactions. Um, I'll go with you first. I know you're interviewing me. I'm going to jump with you. What's your recent reaction since I'm guessing you watched this today, but I'm not told. Fuck you. I interviewed you. Okay, but honestly, honestly, I'm not, (laughs) I don't have a lot of like trust that you actually watched this today. I watched it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I honestly did. Um, I literally watched it like five minutes before we started this. Perfect. I liked it a lot. Um... The first time I saw it, I think I loved it. This time I liked it. But I think I like it for different reasons than the originally the reason I loved it. So it's like the movie still sits the same with me, but for different reasons. And I really like the simplicity of the movie. It is literally an invincible man rises and murders everyone. And all the action is just because we need something. Because a man just walking into gunfire and choking someone to death is just not entertaining. <laughs> like, and they keep it quick. Everything moves. It never stagnates. Um, the thing I didn't like this time, which we can get into changes, is like, the script's really simple. Really simple. And I don't like it when movies get up their own ass about their message, but this could have used a little bit of message or like a little bit of like smelling itself a little bit. I feel like it was so to the point and the action wasn't so great that you, I don't know. The action was like B plus a minus ish. And the story was like, serviceable so it's this weird thing where like you if you watch jackie chan movie you really don't care why jackie chan's beating people up you just want to watch jackie chan do fun shit on screen this was like if jackie chan boxed people so you're like "Ah, i'm enjoying this but i wish it was a little bit more what about you this movie is goofy and i enjoyed it (laughs) (laughs) it Um. is goofy holy cow it is it is a 15-year-old's wet dream as they paint their nails. Man, I don't even fucking know you, man. What the fuck you want, man? Why don't you tell me a story? A man and a woman in law a year ago. Listen! I'm sure you'll remember. You killed them. I'll tell you about this. It's fun. It's easy. You go there all about it. Victim. <laughs> 
Bruce. Aren't we all? It is an uneven movie, but it's a total comic book movie. And when I talk about comic books, I mean like graphic novels. I don't mean like yes. fucking Marvel shit. So I there's a few graphic novels I actually thoroughly enjoy. I like um, the Dark Knight ones. I like the Long Halloween, the Dark Knight Returns. I like the Sandman. I like um, Preacher. They're very dark and they're very thematic and they reference a lot of literary stuff. But they're not the most complex of things oftentimes, but they're very entertaining. So I feel like this really much looks like a, go- a comic book and very much feels like it where it's it's really fucking goofy, but it's kind of an interesting ride. But there's not, like you said, there's not substance to it. There's not real theme. All we got is it doesn't rain all the time. <laughs> That's all we got. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, weatherman. <laughs> but if if you want a goofy atmospheric movie and a powerhouse performance then it's good but like my wife gave it five minutes and then was like no so <laughs> i think it's not for everyone and and i think people who over like say it's so amazing are wrong too i think it's just it's got a lot of good things i like in it but i don't think it's a fully satisfying film in and of itself that's a very good finish on that because it carries the best parts of what a comic book carries where it's very simple. You don't watch, you don't read Spider-Man to like be thoroughly intellectually challenged. You want to, you want to be challenged a little bit. You want to kind of understand Spider-Man and then you want Spider-Man to kick the bad guy's ass. Like that's kind of why you're there. And I think that this movie carries the best parts of like graphic novels because graphic novels usually challenge the reader a little bit. Now I haven't read like The Watchmen or anything like that, which I feel like I'd just be massaging my head the entire time if I watched The Watchmen. It's not intellectual; it's it's thematic, but it's not like I don't understand this. So, so, so don't worry, you're you're dumb enough to get it. Oh, cool. Well, beneath me, this awful city. It screams like an abattoir full of retarded children. And the night reeks of fornication and bad consciences. This this definitely is based on a graphic novel, and I get a lot of Sin City vibes. Now, granted, also, Sin City came after this. And I kind of like this much more than Sin City. Um, there's things about Sin City I like more, but I this movie reminds me of a lot of movies after it but that I have to remember that they're after it. So it's kind of cool to see how many movies took from The Crow and how, I don't want to say it's a small movie. Like, I think a lot of people know about The Crow, but I don't think enough people know about The Crow. Because once you watch it, you're going to be like, oh my God, look at all the movies that took from this fucking movie. Well, granted, this movie takes a lot from 1989 Batman, too. Like, like Batman. I like it, it just speaks <laughs> Tim Burton vibes. And Edward Scissorhands yeah. just smacks me in the face all the time. I'm not saying it's a negative. I'm just saying. And I the, think Spawn uh, was first before this. I don't think so. I think it's very close. Because this came out in 94 and Spawn, mm. I think, was 96. Let me check yeah, that. Spawn might have been after. But, um, 97. So, yeah. I hold um, Spawn and this movie... The crow sits above Spawn, but I hold them in the same bucket, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, it's this 90s comic books where, like, the visual effects aren't good enough. People aren't putting enough money into them to make them what they are nowadays, where Marvel's dumping millions of dollars into it. 
So like millions upon millions of dollars into it. So let's just dive into the things that we like here. So because because mm. we're hitting the things I like, and I want to kind of yes. dive into them. Organize. Hey Ronnie, what are the things you liked about this movie? You could say three or like nine. I don't care. Okay, cool. I like the aesthetics of this. So you said it was super mm-hmm. simplified. I love the lighting. It's so over the top and garish, but it fits perfectly for this because this movie is like you said, so much substance. I like um. Especially the flashback scenes, it's just painted in red, and I like the lighting is super dark and moody, and like you know, like like you said, like an emo or a goth kid did it. The cinematography is always shifting and engaging, so I really, whoever the DP is, the director is Alex Proyas, who is really known for his visuals, aesthetics, and things like that. But it's always shifting, and the editing is nightmarish. It jumps so much, but that fits so well with the flashbacks and like. When Eric is dealing with all these like nightmares, I think the the filmmaking of itself, like you said, elevates the material, and I like it a lot. I, I like just sitting and kind of enjoying that, even if the character's not all there and the plot is so bare bones. But I like the aesthetics a lot. I I'm gonna agree with you a lot there. Um, one of the things that about this movie, I was thinking about, I'm like, what if Marvel tackled the Crow today, right? And we had fucking Timothy Oliphant. I don't know who the fuck they would cast as the crow. But I think it would lose what makes this movie good. And that the director had a small budget to do this action. Now there's some things like I spotted like um, in the scene where he breaks into the meeting room. And he introduces himself to the big bad boss. And they all shoot him and there's the big shootout. When he kicks people out of the window you can see the wires of the act mm-hmm. on the actors as they fall. Like there's things like that. They're like, Oh, that's really bad. But they kept the action very bare bones, very real and very physical. And I, and that's all because of budget. It's because they couldn't do all this crazy shit. Like you couldn't like have a million crows fly out from behind him and penetrate everybody, you know, like <laughs> it, it. And that, that's a service to this movie. Like, I think the budget actually served this movie well because it made the director have to be more physical. And Brandon Lee, you know, RIP, um, his debt, he obviously takes a lot from his father. Like, you can see in his physicality, his build, how he moves. He took a lot from his father, and it serves him well in this movie. Um, it's unfortunate that he didn't get to do more in life because I really liked him in this movie. I don't know if I'd really like him as an actor. We can get into that a little bit more, but I liked him in this role. But yeah, just like the matte paintings, the simple sets, they're simple, but they're really lived in. It's it's grimy, it's gross, and it feels authentic because it like it feels like real sets, and it's simplified because that's just how you know how how gross urban like huge cities are. It feels like you said lived in. It feels gross, and I like all that stuff a lot, honestly. It's cheap. Some of it looks really cheap. You mentioned the action looks cheap and you can kind of see that stuff. And I'm okay with that because the budget's really low, but it's also, it fits it. Like, this is a goofy movie, which to me on a whole is detrimental, but for a lot of it, the goofiness is also kind of its charm too. So it's all the, you know, like the imperfections I don't really mind that much, which in a different movie, I might be like nitpicky and complaining, but this movie 
because it serves the aesthetic of just like this grimy, gross, and incomplete, and just all these things just seem falling apart. So I think it really works. You can just tell that this whole movie is made by people who really loved the story that they read, and they wanted to s- to stick as close as they could to it within the constraints that they had. And I, they did a damn good job. Damn good job. I think the important thing is the director has a vision. Alex Proyas did um, Dark City. He did Knowing. He hasn't done a lot, but he's known for his aesthetics. And like you said, for sure, he's a person who has a style and is going to use it with all of its flaws and mistakes that we're going to get into with the plotting characters and stuff. (laughs) Fucking for me, dude, like I just love sitting here in this, in this area, watching all these aesthetics and the cinematography. So for sure, it's, it's just a vision. This, the director had a vision and let me tell you, they cut fucking corners on this movie, which is probably one of the reasons why Brandon Lee died because there was so many problems on set. There was fires, electrocutions, things being dropped on them. Uh, Brandon Lee, Literally, a week before he died, filed a complaint about working conditions. So, like, there is so much misery because I think the production company just cut corners, like, and just killed their budget and what they could work with. That would literally, you know, lead to two people, well, one dying and one being horribly maimed. So, point being is you can still get art out of someone, like, who has a vision and wants to put in the fucking time to, like, create something. So... Listen, Christopher Nolan, on your next movie, you need to kill somebody. It's the only way to make your movie good. (laughs) Hey, like, if The Crow had $100 million, it would be way different. But you mentioned, like, if they made it today, in my head, I picture it being filmed like that terrible abortion Max Payne or The Spirit or on a higher note, like Sin City, where it's all green screen. Can you imagine how, like, fucking ugly and boring that would look? At least this... Like, you know, there's there's a very much, you know, elbow grease going on here. So the, we'll get to it. We'll shit on this movie in a little bit. But for the point time being, I, I love the aesthetics. It's my number one thing. Well, like, not number one thing. I'm, number three is my number one. But, like, this is the thing I was thinking the first half of it. I was like, I love just how this looks. It's a very good look. What's uh, the second thing that you really loved? Um, let's, Since we talked about it, I want to jump ahead. My right, second thing is Brandon Lee. Like you said before... I have not seen anything else by Brandon Lee. I know he's in some action movies. Action's not my thing. I respect a good action movie. But the clips I watched <laughs> aren't the best. <laughs> They're, uh... I'll make you a deal. What I gave Stuart, you can have that. It's not good enough. That's 25 grand. What the fuck's the matter with you? Tony. The only time a man doesn't want money is if he wants something else. You're sweating like a pig. All he wants is to get out in one piece. He's above like Sylvester Stallone on acting of like his trashier movies, but he's not he wasn't anything to die for, at least in his American. I know he did some Cantonese movies too that were supposedly really good that got him a four-movie deal. But like you said, this movie is 100% elevated by him. I don't understand, for the life of me, his character. I don't know what Eric, whatever his name is. Eric. Uh, Craven? Eric, yeah, Eric. Fucking name is so terrible. Because yeah, it's Raven, get it? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's <laughs> we'll, we'll bitch about this movie, hold on. But, <laughs> like, his character is so baffling, but he is so, like, he just draws you in, man. He's the charming, eyes. he's charismatic. He is, and he's inconsistent, but 
Because, like, he will literally go... One of my favorite scenes is one of the beginning scenes where he's sitting there, like, crying and he's emotional and all these memories are flooding back and they're haunting him. And he just does a great job just, like, feeling that pain. And the next fucking scene, he jumps in and he's making goofy jokes and, like, attacking people. And, like, he's, like... It literally goes from misery to stabs this guy a bunch of times and then he goes into a um, a pawn shop and just blows oh it up and he's, like, doing, God. like, the fucking raven quotes and he's, like, making these jokes... He's suddenly I heard a tapping as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. You heard me rapping, right? I'm looking for something in an engagement ring. Yeah. Gold. Uh, Mr. Gideon. Who? I'm not paying attention. Hold still. I'm not going to kill you. Your job will be to tell the rest of them that Death is coming for them tonight. Is that gasoline I smell? He's just like mesmerizing on screen. He's amazing to watch. So obviously tragedy, but I can't say I'm a huge fan, but you're right. He does make this movie and this movie is perfect casting for him. I wonder how much of it is also the script too, because like in the apartment where he's like being abused by his memories and stuff, you know, you, you can feel something there. And then in the scene where he has a, what's her name's mom, the, the heroin addict. And he goes, uh, yeah. he's like, mother is the name of God for every child or something like that. And you're like, what mm-hmm. the fuck? <laughs> yes. There's quite a few literary lines. That one's from Vanity Fair. They do uh, paradise lost at one point. They do the Raven. The, um, Okay, I read a few panels of The Crow, and I read a little bit of the backstory. I think it's trash, personally. (laughs) I don't think it's a well-known graphic novel. I think this is just a cult movie, and it's elevated by the tragedy of Brandon Lee that drew a lot of attention to it. And I guarantee if he did not pass, it wouldn't be the same kind of haunting, kind of, you know, real-life kind of reflecting fiction and fantasy yeah. so the unfortunate tragedy probably boosted this but for my readings of the crow i don't think it's any good and the the author um james obar like the other things he did don't seem of any interest or consequence to me so i i think it's him he's um behind the scenes i was watching some videos and reading about it and his method acting because he was like properly trained and things like that because obviously his dad trained him to be like a fighter but he mm-hmm. actually went through like a full like acting school he did like method acting the entire time of like just like drenching himself in like cold like bath water to kind of like make himself feel miserable and cold and isolate himself to kind of feel these things very much like Heath Ledger did with the Joker so he, he did method acting and it really shows that the time he put into it and he's just perfect for the role in so many ways oh absolutely but for fuck's sakes, I can't tell what his character is. It is so baffling to me. I have no... He's he's a musician that plays average guitar at best on the roof. Um, that's... We, we can get... We can bitch later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he... Is sad? He's sad when he's sad, and then he's happy when he's happy, and he's, like, introspective when he's introspective. I just... I'm trying to understand, because I think of, like, Batman. That's a classic revenge, right? 
And he's just like, Rawr! I hate criminals! And he beats everybody up. This guy's just like, You wanna fuck? Bang, 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 bang! <laughs> like, he's, he's angry and, and super wrathful and vengeful. I, okay, um, he's like the Punisher, the Punisher. Yep. if he was revived, but instead of the Punisher being just like fucking angry and murderous, no matter who's in his way, he's like the Punisher, if he was like, so how about this airplane food, huh? Stabs him in the neck. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really the Joker. It's if the Joker was on a revenge mission, which... I don't blame Heath Ledger and all them for borrowing a lot from The Crow, because it really lends itself to that character. But I don't know where they got this character from, or how they decided to go this route, but I like it. Kind of. I guess this dives into the plot problem that like you mentioned before. Okay, so so you've never seen this movie. We don't describe, we haven't described this. We've been rambling. So this musician is killed... And he's brought back to the dead a year later to avenge his girlfriend. That's literally the only plot. And there's some characters that kind of help around too. All we get from the flashbacks is he and Shelly are in love. And he seems like a nice guy. Right. There's not a lot of not like, a, lot. a character progression before he's dead. So, so then here's the question. He comes back from the dead. He's a zombie of mm-hmm. some sort or ghost, but he's... He, Deals with the physical world, so I'm guessing some kind of zombie, or just brought back, reanimated. Right. So, is is his character that goofy, silly guy, but then his tortured memories is what makes him the tortured person? So, like, he's his personality is fun-loving and nice, which kind of seems like the background. Like, like his backstory is he seems fun and happy. So, then right. the memories are what haunt him, and that's what makes him miserable. Is that what you got? I'll allow it. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, he's... Because they make a comment, like, the big bad guy's like... Which, you'll have to tell me what the big bad guy's name is. I still don't fucking know. Um, I thought it was T-Bird, but that's not T-Bird. Nope. Um, but he, uh... He's like, musicians, am I right? And I'm like, oh, so all musicians are snarky? I can just imagine if Kanye died and came back to revenge. <laughs> God, he would be he'd be such a scrunt. Like he would be so unbearable. God breathe on this. God breathe on this. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned the uh, the villain's name is Top Dollar, but it's one of the things. Oh, like, like, I never heard that in the like, entire oh, movie. But it's not your fault because they don't fucking say it. Mm. They don't say anyone's name. It's okay. So. The film wasn't fully completed because Brandon Lee died right. die early. His scenes weren't completed, so then they so then the movie shut down production. Paramount dropped it. Then after a big push by his his uh, mother, his sister, mother, and his girlfriend, they another studio put money into finishing it. So I I think they stopped it because there's so much it doesn't feel like completed. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. that it just it, it feels very fragmented, which. You know, that the ghost is just it's not really a fully completed film, but it could work better because like what if in my head my, my rewrite is like what if like Eric's an unreliable narrator because his memories are kind of kicking in and out of like what actually happened his life was, but they don't really do that. I'm just kind of making my own fan fiction there. 
So right. honestly, it's not a it's not a complete film. It really isn't, and people don't really talk about that. It really isn't complete. There's a lot of pieces missing and character and plot things that are really confusing. So like, honestly, until this viewing, I didn't understand anything. I still have more questions. Like, I don't understand why the fuck the whole eviction thing. Why are they <laughs> taking him? Like, 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 why are they trying to kick him out of that? Of that, like the whole apartment when like they don't do anything with the apartment. Yeah, I it, it's it's baffling. I'm like, is she a lawyer? Like, so she's battling evictions in the apartment building, and then I guess top dollar is like, I fucking evicted everyone because nothing happens in Detroit without me saying so, which ties him because the whole town like, why does? Eric give a flying fuck about Top Dollar. Top Dollar wasn't there. They like they like had to give that last line for him to be like, oh, okay, now I'll kill you. No, but, but it actually, do you remember when he comes in that ending scene, he says, I don't care about you guys. I just want him. And he looks at Skank and mm-hmm. then Top Dollar's the problem is he says, I'm not going to give him to you. Come get him. And he says, well, enforce that shit, bitch. So, so he doesn't care about Top Dollar. Top mm. dollar is just he wants the powers of the crow because, because his uh, his which is so funny that the they say crow. they say this his 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 half sister incestual girlfriend uh, says oh I want the powers of the crow so like it's it's all just fucking nonsense. <laughs> okay, we're gonna skip to the three things you like and just go straight to that one. What the fuck is this is and it's not the movie's fault. I know that is directly the graphic novels. What the fuck is with how convenient that you have this random invincible zombie that rises and just so happens that our big baddie fucks his sister in his sister's soup like a witch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and she's like, oh, it's the crow that ties him to everything. She's also not Scottish, but in my interpretation, she's going to be Scottish. But the, <laughs> the crow ties him to everything. You have to get the crow and you have to murder it. That's the only way to kill the crow. Like, how the fuck does she know that? Because she burns eyeballs and they snort cocaine? Like, I... It's... That part is so hard for me to, like, look past. Because it's so obvious that they wrote that in. It's like the problem... It's a reverse problem where, like, Batman works better when he's fighting mafia guys with guns. Because it makes sense for Batman. But it doesn't make sense for Batman to fight space aliens with superpowers. Mm-hmm. This is the opposite, where it doesn't make sense for the superpower person to fight the mafia. Like, he needs to fight something supernatural. Because th- when he fights the mafia, the mafia obviously has no way to fight a ghost. <laughs> you know what I mean? Luigi and the gang has no chance of, of combating a ghost. They wrote themselves into a corner, and then they said, "Well, how the fuck do we do this?" And honestly, I'd, I'd honestly prefer it if, if they kept their supernatural part out of it, because then it'd just be like him finding these people, then, then like just basically the the mob boss is an asshole and he gets himself killed because he did it. But what else again? You, you got to have a fight scene on a rooftop for a fucking emo movie. Yeah, and you the have rain. to have stakes, because yes. the way that the writer wrote it, there are no stakes. The crow mm-hmm. is literally invincible and can go until he has murdered everybody. But then, like, they... You could just tell that you're like, oh, if they get the crow, they're gonna get him. 
but then he gets the crow back, but his powers don't come back. So I don't understand the rules of the crow. Yeah, it it also applies to I think to the character. It's like you can't have a protagonist sit in a room, cry, cut himself, write sad songs, and then just go kill four people and leave. You, you got to have Eric talk to Ernie Hudson. You have him talk to the the little girl. You, you got to have a connection because otherwise he's an unlikable antihero. I knew I I was like that's the guy from Ghostbusters. <laughs> yep. Yep. I liked yeah. him. He wasn't a very good actor, but I liked him. Ernie, Ernie Hudson's always serviceable. He's always yeah. he's he's he is who he is. He just his problem is he doesn't get any roles anymore, so he just goes to Comic Con and he's still the the, the least enjoyable Ghostbuster. <laughs> oh, you know what? Take that back. There's there's four other Ghostbusters in a remake that are the most unlikable Ghostbusters. <laughs> Fun, right? Everybody in the newest Ghostbusters can, sl- can take a huge glass of Ligma. <laughs> <laughs> Ligma what? Ligma balls, you bitches. <laughs> and that's okay. the one that gets me canceled. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, what about you? Anything you like? I have one more, but anything you like? <sighs> okay. I liked the score. Yay! This is my last one. Yeah, I I really like the music, and we will talk about this because we had a whole conversation about this because you made me. And I'm just gonna use my line now: "Coffee House Metal" is what this fucking film and everything in it is. Just picture emo kids and fucking combat boots and painted nails drinking coffee and sitting in a coffee shop. This is what they'd listen to. Being crucified. And I bitch about it. It also fits this movie well, and it's pretty good. Like, you can listen to these songs, and they're pretty good. You enjoy them. The score is excellent. And I was looking at some of the titles. Like, obviously, you have, like, Nine Inch Nails. You have Stone Temple Pilots. The Cure. Fucking Rage Against the Machine. Violent Femmes. Fucking Pantera. Pantera. Yeah, you've got a lot of big bands. But holy shit, the person that put these music together, you dig deep, my friend, into the industrial jo- industrial rock realm. Because, like, I don't know where you fucking found all these songs, but... No, 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 these are original. These are original songs. They got all these artists to do this for the, for the oh, movie. Oh, they did it all for the movie? The fucking movie, dude. Dude, they fucking killed it. That's what I'm saying. This The smorgasbord of songs. Like, like okay, so... The, the behind the story is the author of the, the graphic novel loved the cure and he kind of modeled some of the things after the cure and then the fucking cure made a fucking first song <laughs> for the movie. And they nailed it. It wasn't even like shitty. It was like, I just picture like uh, Transformers when Linkin Park wrote the Transformers song, like, what I've done. 
I raised myself. It's just shitty. It's not a very good Linkin Park song. It doesn't sound like Linkin Park. All these songs sound like the bands that wrote them. So I feel like this went, hey, we're doing a movie. And like, oh, what's the sound? And they just went, eh. <laughs> and they're like, we got you. The 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 score isn't impressive to me because most of the score is just the songs from the album, which is a little lazy. Right. But honestly, they fucking killed it, man. Like, if if you don't like movies that just play, like this reminds me of Daredevil. For unfortunately, where like where, like there's no score, it's just mm-hmm. playing popular music. But this these fucking songs are all made. But Seether was nowhere near it wasn't this fuck movie. Seether, but all these songs <laughs> play perfectly. They're perfectly uh, put together for this, and I. And it's a it's a little lazy just to use the soundtrack as your score, but I fucking loved it. And and that's the reason why I picked this movie. I was listening to Nine Inch Nails because I'm, I'm I'm actually a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. Fucking Trent Reznor is like my hero because I just love that he just has so shifted and now he's makes fuck gets Academy Awards, makes a million dollars, and just makes fucking Nine Inch Nails music just for himself. He makes music just for himself and does it, and I love it. And so I was listening to the to the Nine Inch Nails, I'm like, holy fuck, the Crow song. I'm like, yes. I was like, I gotta do the Crow. I love the, I'm playing it right here. But yeah, if if you don't, it's industrial metal. It's emo. It's like um, get the fucking Henry Rollins is on this too. You get the Rollins band on here. You have so many good things on here. And um, oh yeah, the and honestly, if if you don't like this kind of music, then this movie is not for you too. But it, it perfectly encapsulates. Oh, it. you'll fucking kill yourself. And you mentioned this Inner Daredevil pod, a podcast. Actually, you mentioned like bands they don't make a lot of soundtrack centric. Um, albums anymore like there's some there's obviously some but no. you don't get a lot and this is one of those like the soundtracks kicks ass it used to be a thing and what comes to my mind always because of my childhood know. is like soundtracks like Mission Impossible 2 was like huge remember like Limp Biscuit made that whole like now I know why you want to hate me <laughs> like <laughs> um, that like Mission Spider-Man Impossible 2, two Spider-Man 2 was huge. Now a hero could save um, us. Um, but it, I remember buying the soundtracks yeah. to films. Like, that was a thing. But this is actually good. Like, if I, I listen to this soundtrack, and I was like, wow, these are these are interesting. These are cool. If I listen to the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack, I'd be like, oh, God, I remember this shit. Stained. <laughs> um, it's... <laughs> Towards the, the 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 middle of the uh, the soundtrack, it doesn't get as interesting, and it gets kind of like eh, whatever. But for me, but there's a lot of great stuff I like on it. Even that um, yeah, listen he, listen to the Flashdance soundtrack, fire. <laughs> uh, the, the, there's a performance in the film actually of um of uh, Medicine and Robin, uh, Guthrie the Time Baby. It's a it, it's it's a very slow mm-hmm. song one, and that one's like a perfect for that the time like that song. <laughs> I liked them better in the movie than I liked them on the soundtrack. Yes. Uh, look, 
I'm also a person that like a lot of movies and soundtracks have to be with the movie. It's like Drive. I won't listen to that mm-hmm. shit outside of the movie, but fuck, does it work perfectly for the movie? Oh yeah. There's only like one song I like, and it's like. That's the one everyone likes. Yeah, I like that song. Okay. Um. Anything else you like before we start bitching? Um, I like the simplicity, in a way. Like I don't want it to get too up its own ass. Like I could have used a little bit more up your own ass, like a little bit of pretentiousness, but just. But like I'd rather err on the side of no pretentiousness, where it's just he rises, he kills, he dies, like. Yeah, and the the filmmaking doesn't get to a point where it's distracting. I think the filmmaking and Brandon Lee's performance elevate it to a point where it's not just like a forgettable, you know, like Spawn. Like Spawn is fun to talk about. <laughs> Spawn's fucking awful, and I think this movie would have been Spawn if it wasn't for the great film like crew behind actually filming it and then brandon lee yeah agreed spawn is sad i really wish they would retackle it but not like with marvel money just like a little bit more money than the first spawn did they've but, they've been trying to years to do that but but todd mcfarland's like scrunt and so he's not really <laughs> you know likable and he's uh he's just he thinks he's more important than he is but Okay, yeah. I got a bunch of notes, and I got some things to bitch I, about. Ready? Let's start bitching. If you like The Crow and you want to love it, get out now, because we're going to fucking tell you why this movie's shit also. I can enjoy parts of this movie and still bitch about it still. I will watch this movie again. I enjoy it. I'll probably watch it again next um, Hall of Cream season. Sucktober. Sucktober, there we go. Um... I love that um, that the um, the hot dog stand is called Maxi Dogs. I have no idea who decided to put Maxi Dogs <laughs> as the name of a hot dog stand, but I'm just thinking I don't want to eat a tampon. And he's obsessed with onions. Though yeah, the the Woody Onion banter. <laughs> oh my god! Like, come on now! And he's like squeezing a fuck ton of mustard on this hot dog. Like the kid, the fucking kid. You like the kid? I like the kid. I like the kid just fine. I don't think it's her fault that I didn't like her. Because I liked her in the movie. It's when true love is real and forever. A building gets torched. All that is left is ashes. But sometimes, if love proves real, two people who are meant to be together, nothing can keep them apart. What's your cult? You gotta give some kind of bullshit theme because there's nothing else oh going my on here. God. The theme should be like, don't fuck around with crows or they'll raise the dead to fuck you up. (laughs) (laughs) And like a crow should have flown into the screen and like it crashed in the screen and just raged against the machine goes, oh, I think the whole plot with the the subplot with the cop is so embarrassingly bad and just like pointless oh. like i know they're 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 panning it out the runtime because this is an incomplete movie so like i know it but then ernie hudson's fine but the whole like detective who's definitely not his boss he's giving him a hard time for being a beat cop saying i got you fired last time hey don't fuck around with my my thing get off my crime scene you pussy <laughs> fucking remember awesome. last time you investigated a crime you found a criminal and they put you back down to beat cop like, they, they set up this weird thing that they don't answer where they're like, 
Remember last time you were a detective and you tried to take down City Hall or the man? Now you're a beat cop. Like, they're trying to set up that Ernie Hudson's a good cop through and through. Yeah, so that just means that the pop mark... Because, boy, that, that detective has a lot of fucking pop marks on his face. I wrote, down, e- I wrote fucking, down Edward James almost. Acne must have rocked his world. Like, his, his <laughs> face is a fucking crater. Um, sorry to anyone that's had acne before. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> nice. This detective makes no sense. Because he's just like, I don't see a problem with this crime scene. As there's, like, a person crucified on scene. He's like, get off my scene. It's just a typical gang killing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I I liked the um, the kids subplot with the mom. I think it kind of fits it. It's it's underdeveloped and just thrown in there to give some sympathy mm-hmm. to Eric. What do you think of all these side characters? All the nameless people that have names that they don't mention their names? What do you think of them characters? Sh- I have no fucking idea what's going on. I don't know what this gang does. I don't know why they were there. I just know that four dudes showed up, raped his girlfriend, and threw him out a window, and now he's back to kill them all. Um, he kills them all, and yet still isn't finished. There's a guy who fucks his sister who's into supernatural shit that is the big bad guy. Oh, and his henchman, his weird-ass henchman that's like, I, I'm, who are you? What, why are you here? My favorite thing is they're sitting there taking shots with literal bullets, and that made me giggle. Oh, my God. Because I'm like, these guys... And it makes it very clear later, because Skank is obviously literally out of his mind, because they call him a speed freak. So there are, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of a bunch of drugged-up cronies that can somehow operate, but I guess if you only need him to blow shit up, fucking whatever. It reminds me of RoboCop. A lot of RoboCop vibes were... Mm-hmm. Remember the end of RoboCop when... um, Or, like, it's the beginning of the end of RoboCop, like, all those guys that are just there to just... Fucking destroy things and cause chaos and anarchy. Fired up, fired up, fired up. <laughs> they just remind me of metalheads. I've been to a lot of metal concerts. They just remind me of a bunch of dumbass metalheads. Yeah, very metalheady. Um, also, I wonder, is that possible to swallow a bullet with a shot? Can, are you just going to shit that out? I don't know. Or are I, you going to die? I don't know. They do drugs, so I don't think they care. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, I thought it was funny. One of the characters' name is Tintin. Then there's also Skank. There's T-Bird, and then there's another one whose name I'm forgetting. He's the one who's banging the uh... Rudy. Yeah, there you go. And Rudy. No, funny Fun Boy. Oh, Fun, fun Boy. Fun... Yeah, Fun, fun boy. boy. Yeah, it's you remember fun that boy. one, of course. Uh, and then um, I just thought that Tintin was just the black bullseye, where he just says, "I never miss." I missed. I never miss. And then you get killed by the crow. <laughs> instead uh, of ben affleck with his mouth breathing you get murdered by the crow <laughs> i'll take brendan lee's dead corpse over ben affleck being another fucking superhero i wish him. brendan lee was daredevil <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't so tintin likes knives i guess that was his thing skank like speed <laughs> and and just and just being shit face and just like mumbling off his ass. That's him, but he looked different. He was all painted up white like some kind of dead whore. I seen him, T-Bird, he sent me in for some robes, right? And he took him away, but I chased him down, and he flashed right T-Bird to his fucking car. Oh, T-Bird, it's you, buddy. Fire it up, fire it up. I kept yeah. thinking it was Flea. 
I don't know why I kept thinking it was Flea, but I kept thinking he looks like Flea. <laughs> Sorry. Big Chili Peppers fan. Um, and then Funboy loves heroin and has a gun tattooed over his cock. Um, <laughs> and oh, and, then, and he looks like Axl Rose. Yes. Yes, he does. That's a good, that's a good idea. Yeah. And then finally, and T Bird loves explosives. Yeah, T Bird loves explosives, and he's um, and he's the guy from the Warriors, and he's the um, the brother of um, goddamn, he's in Twin Peaks though, and he's great in Twin Peaks. Oh shit! I didn't know he was in Twin Peaks. I knew the Warriors. He's Jerry. He's the uh, he's the other brother who he's the younger brother of the the main guy who owns the lodge. Which goddamn, I'm sorry, I I like Twin Peaks. But I can't remember their names right now. A horn. He's uh, he's Jerry Horn. He's Jerry Horn. Uh, I was about to say I can't remember any names from any David Lynch film. <laughs> um, okay, ready to dive into some deep shit here of bitching, and then tons of clips that I have planned out for this. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, so the uh, the writer of all the Dark Knight films is David S. Goyer, who is an absolute hack. Who did a bunch of other shit. He did like Blade movies. He did um. Uh, he did the Superman, Batman vs Superman, Man of Steel. He did. He's in a lot of like big name things, but he's a, he's like a, he's kind of like a really trash writer. I swear to Christ, he stole this script for The Crow because there's so many like connections. The scene when um the biggest scene is when um the main bad guy, Top Dollar, who I wrote down, is a combination of Steven Seagal, Mickey Rourke, David Carradine. Incest loving villain who snorts coke. He's just he's just everything. He's just an absolute like he, I I kind of hate him and love him. He's just he's so ridiculous. He's kind of like hilarious. Yeah, he's it, it doesn't fit. I I thought he was Raiden with a Texas accent. Oh, uh, okay. Like that's I kept getting Raiden vibes from the original Mortal Kombat. <laughs> but I was like, why does he have this southern accent? Yeah, loves witchcraft and snorks coke. But at the same time, I'm kind of into it. It's weird. It's like, uh, it's like, I shouldn't like it, but I'm enjoying it more than I should. It's dumb and goofy, and this movie <laughs> is oftentimes dumb and goofy. So I'm like, eh, whatever, this movie's anarchy. So in that yeah. scene, he's literally giving him a pep talk saying, who cares about money? I want chaos and anarchy. I'm just like, David S. Goyer wrote this fucking scene for the Joker. Mm-hmm. And that's a better scene, and I think it's because Heath Ledger elevates the scene and the material, and he did a lot of messing with it, personalizing it, but it's the same fucking scene. If you don't believe me, here it is. All you care about is money. This town deserves a better class of criminal. And I'm going to give it to him. Yes. It's not about money. It's about sending a message. Devil's Night is upon us again. So we throw a little party, start a bunch of fires, make a little profit. Problem is, it's all been done before. You see what I'm saying? Did I tell you when I used to think about the idea itself and put a big old smile on my face? Let's put a smile on that face. You see, gentlemen, greed is for amateurs. Disorder, chaos, anarchy. Now that's fun. 
introduce a little anarchy. Upset the established order, and everything becomes chaos. I'm an agent of chaos. Oh, and you know the thing about chaos? It's beer. Oh, wow. wow. Right. Those, are, those are really close. <laughs> Goyer should suck my cock. And then, and then literally, another the same exact scene, but it's a different scene in The, the Dark Knight, when the Joker busts him to the meeting and just throws it yes. all off. It's the exact same thing when Eric busts in and interrupts it. If you don't believe me, listen to these excerpts now. Gentlemen! Suppose you're wondering why I've called you all here today. <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. And I thought my jokes were bad. You know, friend, if there's one thing I can't stand, it's a party crasher. You're him, huh? The Avenger. Killer of killers. Nice outfit. Not sure about his face, though. Oh, and by the way, the suit, it wasn't cheap. You ought to know, you bought it. I just want him. <laughs> well, you can't have him. Where is Harvey Dent? You know, I'll settle for his loved ones. Well, I see you have made your decision. See you enforce it. Ah, oh, this is already boring the shit out of me. Kill him! Enough from the clown! Let's not blow this out of proportion. Guess it's not a good day to be a bad guy, huh, skank? What a skank? That skank right there! <laughs> Skank's dead! That's right. <laughs> Poor choice of words. Wow, those are those are like identical. <laughs> wow, Goyer, you should kill yourself. <laughs> you shouldn't because you made a bunch of money. But um, but like <laughs> you it's... should give us money so we'll keep quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gar- I have not watched anything, but I guarantee you're not the first people to point this out. And once again, nothing's original. But whatever, I've just sitting there the whole entire time. Like, there's so much of this shit, and I was like. I was like, well, now I'm thinking about it more. The cop is so much of like the uh, like the James Gordon thing, mm-hmm. in like the very beginning of the the, first, the Batman Begins, where like uh, Gordon's like this kind of forgotten cop. No one takes him seriously, and then eventually they take him seriously, just like Ernie Hudson in this movie. In um, Batman Begins, is a huge scene on top of rooftops. In this movie, is a huge scene where. Um, the crow is running on top of the roof, tube tops are chasing them, going after him. The cops are chasing him. I'm like, this is the same fucking movie, too. Wow. Now that you pointed out, there, yeah, the Dark Knight mimics the crow a lot. Oh, yeah. There's tons of I'm it. just picturing the whole scene where like he's driving the vehicle and jumping the rooftops. Yeah, that's what I was just talking about. Yeah. No, that's... I'm trying to think of some more... Um... Wow, Nolan, you should pay us before this podcast comes out and ruins your career. Well, it's not <laughs> Nolan. It's it's the writing, and I, I don't Ew. doubt he's probably seen it, too. He's a comic book kind of guy, too. But I'm just like, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I can see how this movie has influenced a lot of people for a lot of reasons. And once again, 
you know, Batman's been around forever. Punisher's been around forever. So the similarities of, you know, who, who really stole it from who, I don't fucking care. I just noticed it, and I'm talking about it, and I just want to bitch. Oh, I noticed it. Now I'm going to write it down. David S. Goyer. Guess who's going to start getting tweeted out by an angry hobo now? <laughs> you Peter fucker. Billingsley, you lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Dan's going to move from Dan Rather to Peter Billingsley and go after David S. Oh, they're He's still like... going to get theirs. But now now he's got three vectors to attack. <laughs> okay. Get him, Dan. Um, here's the thing you'll find funny. So um, I guess I'm done bitching. I just want to do some little fun factoids now as we kind of wrap this up, I guess. I don't know. Is there, is there anything like for changes you do? I think we kind of really addressed the, the changes there, but I don't really know. Yeah, some of the changes too, it's like a little unfair because like if I'm the director listening to this podcast, I go, well, yeah, my actor died like a little over halfway into this film you know like hey and uh, did the best i could here and all things the 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 directing of it is great for what it is i think i think think it just really lacks in the writing is the whole problem with it is mainly the writing it's it's like a fucking drug drug addict wrote this shit yeah it kind of falls into that where you can tell someone that is trying to be too artistic and too up their own ass writes a story and I mean, it's kind of, God, I did it again. That fucking lip smack. It's going to drive me crazy. Uh, but it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's about a fucking dead musician that gets, you know, revenge. And everyone knows no one's afraid of musicians. No one. Speaking of which, originally, want to know who there's talks of hiring um, to be the crow? Let me let me guess. Let me think. Think of the most ridiculous fucking thing you can think of, and it's going to be it. Freddie Prince Jr. Musician. Oh, a musician. Um, Think of the most ridiculous yeah. musician that would be casted as the crow, and you'll be on the right track. Justin Timberlake. Michael Jackson. <laughs> you know, there's some things that I like about you, bitch. And I- <laughs> Oh my god, I need like gunfire and like a window. <laughs> Just cut in like <laughs> No, you can't Shelly, no, not shit. Shelly my love. Oh no. Bring you down. Yeah. Oh my god. He wasn't attached, but there was talks. There was talks. Holy but it was attached. Shit. And then also Johnny Depp, which is obvious. Okay, yeah. Johnny Depp. Probably would have done a serviceable, if not great, crow. But Michael fucking Jackson? Holy shit. Can you imagine? It's like, I'm, I'm the crow and I'm, I'm here for revenge. I'm a flyaway. So, I'm so sick of y'all, motherfuckers. <laughs> is, that, is that gasoline? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I know, right? Um, and then... I guess we'll go to the tasteless part of this podcast. Okay. Yay. Um, I found it really off-putting, and I was laughing, like, very fucked up and demented. That the the character... What's up? But what? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> Eric gets shot a lot. For a, for oh, a, God. For, for a character and an actor who gets killed by accidental gunfire... His fucking uh, character gets shot a lot, and it's, like, really fucked up. Oh, 
And I, maybe you did some research, I was gonna, and then I took a nap, but, uh, <laughs> about the scene that killed him, or, like, what it was. I did. Um, I, I know generally, but I don't know, and I kept trying to look, like, oh, was that the scene? Was that the scene? Was that the set piece? Like, There's a lot of theories, but it was confirmed somewhat recently that none of the... Uh, the director confirmed that like none of the actual scenes in the film were the ones that he actually died. It's like the, the sorry. So the actual film is not in the movie. Does that mm. make sense? Like there's no actual, right. they didn't use the tape. The scene where he dies is the very beginning when um, T-Bird shoots him and he goes out the window. Oh shit. No, not T-Bird, not T-Bird fun boy. Right. Somebody shoots him in the fucking face. Whoever shoots him felt so fucking bad, obviously, because the, oh. the, it was a blank, and then there was something in the blank, like a, some kind of a, a, some kind of shrapnel was mm-hmm. in there. It went through his spine, and he died on the operating table tragically. But yeah, the actor who shot him, which I, I, I'm getting confused now because I've been drinking, but um, like he's never seen the film, obviously traumatized, didn't want to act ever again. He has, but he didn't want to because, like, can you imagine how fucking awful you feel? And it's not his fault. It's the fucking props. The behind the yeah, scenes, they the fucking cut person. so they cut so many fucking corners, and it was their goddamn fault. Just use a real bullet. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's oh. awful. But the act this, that was the scene was when he falls out the window when they first come in when they're attacking Shelly and him. But the actual film isn't in there. Yeah. On um, moving on from uh, off-color jokes, a lot of nudity in this. I was pleasantly surprised. There's not that much. Ah, there's a tit and there's two asses. <laughs> I did enjoy the tit and the asses, and I also enjoyed... I didn't expect the tit. I I when I saw asses, I was like, oh shit, they're they're doing asses. People are like, anyone that was listening, to this is now just head palming. Their fucking forehead, just like goddamn. <laughs> but like, yeah, I was like, oh shit, I'm on this. I am a horny young child, all right. I want nudity. <laughs> and Brandon Lee is fucking cut, and I was like, yeah, man. he's definitely yeah. like uh, emo girls and and guys like fucking wet dream. He's just like, mm. mm-hmm. It's weird. I did it again. I'm gonna start punching my dick when I do that. <laughs> um, fucking. He, I keep trying to spot his father in him because I try to see like how much he looks like his father, and he really doesn't look a ton like his father. Well, I like his mom. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, same yeah, sister too. His so sister looks a little more like like Bruce Lee, but really not. They're they're definitely more of the, the mother. Yeah, but like uh, the way he moves and stuff. Oh, dude, yeah. Like some of his action. Yeah, he's he's a good action guy. Dude, fuck. Apparently, his dad was training him since he was like six years old to break boards and shit. Because his dad died tragically young too. Like, I think think thirty three. Mm-hmm. So he was eight when his dad died. But he got all the physicality from his dad for sure, and then went into acting from it. Well, I mean, you have to. Can you imagine being Bruce Lee's son and like he has an obesity issue? <laughs> well, he <laughs> can he can still do a lot of good things and be you know you know gangly. No. <laughs> Sorry. So I guess let's start wrapping this up here since we've we've gone off the rails and we get this back on the track here. Um, yeah. This movie is imperfect in many ways, and last night I was kind of frustrated watching it because I was like, oh, there's so many little things you could do to fix this. 
and kind of tweak this to make it a little better. But for what it is for an incomplete film for like a kind of like a final send off to like the actor, it's pretty great. And it's, there's a lot of good stuff in it. A lot of good scenes. I don't think it all works together as a whole. There's a lot of goofy shit going on in this movie, but I like a lot of it and it's, even good. And even in the ending, I like how it ends too. It's a weird, like, it's kind of like, you know, ridiculous samurai sword on top of a building reigns, but then, <laughs> but then he doesn't use the power of the crow to kill him. He uses like, it's like, I'm going to give you my fucking memories and you're going to deal with this shit and you're going to suffer. I'm like, Oh, that's just haunting. I liked it a lot. He, he unloads his pain onto him and it fucking kills the guy. Yeah. And I thought that was like, I was like, oh, cool. That's a, that's, that's a cool little twister. Cause I was like rolling my eyes at the end. I'm like, God damn it. They're doing a samurai sword fight. Cause I didn't remember it. I was like, Blade Runner, Blade Runner, yeah. Blade Runner. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, cool. It, at least the, the, like twisted the ending. Cause it, there's like the scene when the top dollar is telling him, Hey, I'm sorry for killing you. You're a nice guy, but you know shit happens he's like i actually kind of like you yeah i'm like oh okay, that's an interesting kind of twist i guess to it but then he's like uh you're a dick fuck you enjoy 30 hours of misery motherfucker you know who they cast top dollar as now matthew mcconaughey he'd be the bad guy but my father always said can't die until you met your devil i actually kind of like you i texted you a, f- a few weeks ago and told you to watch the movie Killer Joe, starring Matthew McConaughey. It's the most fucked up thing I've ever seen Matthew McConaughey do, and it's delightful. Well, there we go. I'm gonna watch Killer Joe soon. But but if you want an example of Matthew McConaughey being a fucking psychopath, and he could be top dollar, yeah, good casting, Shane. Good job. I did it. All right, <laughs> we're gonna end it there, boys. <laughs> Would you recommend yeah. The Crow? Oh, yeah. This movie, above all else, is a director who fits within the style and does a damn good job at at just having such a stylized movie that you enjoy everything within it within the style. Yeah, it's flawed. It's not perfect. Some of that is, you know, out of the director and editor's control, you know, sadly. But I think... It stands as a testament to working within what you have and being committed to what you like and what you do. And, um, yeah, def- it's definitely a recommend, especially with the fucking obnoxious superhero movies we have now. This is a wonderful little, like, hero movie that is different, and everyone has taken from it in some way or another. Especially you fucking emo nerds. David S. Goyer, you fuck. And all you fucking emo-ass nerds out there who have tattoos and shit and say this is the best movie ever, you fucking lying! AFI, I'm, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and if not, get the soundtrack, listen to it for um, Hollow Cream and Jack October here. Sucktober. Uh, Jacktober, it's a, it's, a, it's a good soundtrack and it's a good movie to, to kind of just... Enjoy the silliness, goofiness, and if you like Halloween, it works. Yeah, and it's Halloween-based, too. I forgot that it was even based around, like, All Hallows' Eve type shit, Devil's Night or whatever. Fucking Devil's Night in Detroit where just people burning <laughs> shit down for fun. What the movie got wrong is every night is Devil's Night in Detroit. <laughs> Fucking the, the Detroit's the purge. <laughs> God damn. If you live in Detroit, 
I'm sorry, maybe it's a wonderful place, but I doubt it. <laughs> I don't think anyone holds it high regard except for like Kid Rock and Eminem. I don't even think Eminem holds it in high regard. Kid Rock's the only one banging that drum. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll say more Halloween stuff for now. Um, join us. I'm. Does this come out before our Halloween? Yeah, it will. Okay. So join us for our Halloween spec- spectacular event where we'll be watching a spooky movie and getting drunk and ending our lives and um, trivia and and trivia watch the crow had a miserable day i've been looking forward to this <laughs> so i can just <laughs> rant, complain and be goofy i've been looking forward to this for way too long today and i have been drinking all day getting ready for this so we're we're all set yeah i did again i was gonna say i'm not gonna do that before i talk and i fucking did it um so <laughs> so so <laughs> um, i think seriously though like that rage against the machine song is the antithesis of what i was saying like it's literally the most coffee house metal i've ever heard it's literally jazz that bust into screaming yeah i like rage against the machine a lot and that song is not great it's weird it's um the, i think the lyrics are bad i don't mind the music of it but the the lyrics aren't good at all because it, it doesn't fit because it's because they're obviously so military and like communist centric, and like like what you're talking about doesn't fit this film at all. Yeah, he is an anti-vaxxer in the song. Straight that. He doesn't want you to get the COVID vax. I said it. <laughs> Rage Against the Machines, anti-vaxxers, get them, get them, boys. <laughs> They've been slurping ivermectin since the beginning. <laughs> 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 they did say they weren't gonna, because um, they're supposed to be touring, and they bought, and we're gonna buy tickets. And they said they weren't gonna tour if, if they had to limit their shows, because like like obviously some places had to like you know have a, a limited capacity. And they said they're not gonna fucking do that if it's limited capacity. What they really said was ivermectin or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were even before. What was the one before ivermectin that everyone thought was the devil? Bleach. Oh. No, the the one that led to the bleach comment, it was like a oh uh, chloroquine, um, chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, yeah, Rage is still doing it. How's it working? <laughs> I don't know. They're still alive. I just hope I've deflected all the 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 alt right hatred towards Rage Against the Machine, and they don't know what to do with it now. <laughs> and cut. <laughs> Ha 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 